LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Morning, Steve Allen here on this lovely Sunday morning. Let's hope the summer we deserve is well and truly on its way. Coming up at six, I'm in conversation with celebrity chef Phil Vickery, who is annoyingly slim for somebody who makes a living out of cooking and eating food, and retired Olympic figure skater Robin Cousins, who's currently performing in Chicago at the Garrick Theatre. But first, you get to hear my best bits from the week. I have to admit, I started off in a bit of a bad mood. It's all because of those blasted petrol prices that are just so high. So don't buy petrol at motorway service station. What a rip-off. I got so angry... I mean, I, I really did get angry when I pulled in because I was, you know, when you get that thing, I was, I, I tried to find a filling station and for some peculiar reason. I couldn't find one I liked the look of because I've got to like the filling station to go in there. I don't just wander into any old filling station. If it's got some brand I've never heard of, I'm not going there. And so I'm driving around. Then eventually I find myself on the, on the, the motorway near Slough and I'm thinking, well, I know Heston is down the road. Listen, I'm running out of pet. And then the little flashing light came on. And in my car, you get a man who sort of goes, excuse me, you're going to run out of petrol, all right? So I'm putting my foot down, thinking, you know, if the worst comes to the worst, I can coast. Which, of course, I've never actually run out of petrol in my life. It's very bad to run out of petrol because you've got silt in the bottom of the tank and that gets into the jets and that can be fatal on a car like mine. So I pull into the service. I thought, oh, thank God, I've made the service station. Pull into Heston and I'm looking at the sign and I'm thinking, how much is it? And on the pump, I could see. So I, I put in... The petrol that I normally put in, one forty-seven. And, you know, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you're not having my money. I couldn't care less whether you're 24 hours or whether you're going to do a lap dance for me. I'm not remotely interested. I put 20 quid's worth in. I wish I hadn't put 20 quid's worth in. I'd begrudge giving them every penny. Every penny. So I thought, no, if there's one thing I'm going to tell people this morning... It's make sure you've got loads of petrol before you set off down the motorway. Because these places are just rip-offs. I paid one thirty. Two the other day, one forty-seven up on the motorway. I mean, that is just blatantly ripping the public off. The excuse is because they have an excuse um, is uh, is because they're open twenty-four hours, and you go, but you know, twenty-four. So there's loads of places open twenty-four hours. Loads of places that are open twenty-four hours. You know, and it's sort of, oh damn, it's just ridiculous. One forty-seven, and then 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 the news that Russell Brand is going to be closed. Doing what? Since when was Russell Brand funny? Never. Was Russell Brand rude, vulgar and disgusting? Yes. Who in their right mind... I mean, can't we have, you know, a parade of of Olympian athletes or something? Russell Brand? Who are they hoping to appeal to? Who are they hoping to appeal to? Just absolutely awful. And then... Yes, it is. I'm going through the papers to try and find some something to talk about for the uh, for the podcast for this morning, the free podcast, the most successful podcast on LBC. I was going through the paper and they had a girl on there, old Ronnie Wood. And so now, because she can't find a job, she's now a page three girl. And, and they, they made a big thing about the other day. I don't want to be known, she says, as just but she doesn't talk like that at all. In fact, she sounds she sounds quite common. And so and, and, and it, it's quite ridiculous because She's, she's obviously tried everything. She's found, she's found a few old men to go out with. She's sold her story numerous times. And now she's a page three girl. And you look at her and you think, you're not even all that. You're not even all that. She hopes to be a huge hit. Well, you know, I mean, t- to be honest with you, I just, I think you've got the word desperately sad stamped all over you. Very desperately sad. sad. I also had never heard the expression chock ice. You'd heard that one. Do you know, there's things going on in this world I'm not aware of. Apparently, it's quite normal. Rio Ferdinand 
called Ashley Cole a chockhouse, and he said, this is, this, this is quite normal, and Ashley Cole went, yeah, this is quite normal. There's obviously conversations going on on the football pitch that I'm not aware of. My GIs, but, I mean, stupidly, stupidly, you know, I mean, I, I sort of actually thought they went out there to play football. I didn't realise they went out there to have slanging matches with each other. It's very interesting, isn't it? But I'd, I'd never heard of that one at all. Siri Cruz is in the papers. I love Siri Cruz. She's a little girl who's got everything. Except parents who are together, you know, which is quite nice. That's that's good fun. And uh, and they they were showing her a little puppy, in a in a in a shop, and uh, puppy, and they wouldn't buy it for her, which is good news because she's got everything else. And in the end, she threw a strop and stormed out of the shop. Gus, little child, Gus, Gus, little child. Uh, also, I love the story of the uh, the sales rep who was repeatedly accused by colleagues of being gay because he didn't like football, has got money for harassment. £44,000 he's got. He now runs his own business, and he was taunted by Newcastle United fans after he said he preferred the arts. It was quite normal in the North East for anyone who doesn't like soccer to be considered gay. And Newcastle said, well, there must be thousands of gays, I mean, mainly on the pitch. Mainly on the pitch, I think. That's where you're, that's where you're going to find them. And uh, Russell Brand is a proper East Ender. No, he's not. He's just a grubby little man who's who's just not very not very pleasant, I'm afraid. Um, eight for eight five zero. Oh, StevenLBC.co.uk. And they're bringing that ban in, aren't they? At five o'clock this morning. On the I drove down it yesterday. I drove down the Olympic Lane, down the M4. Wee. I thought, what the hell? Do what you like. And people this morning. People who are sort of coming, they won't have the faintest idea. Even though we'll be saying between now and seven o'clock and onwards and upwards, exactly, you cannot drive in that lane. And so people go, well, why not? I also quite, can't quite understand why, why taxi drivers want to use it. What's the difference, what difference does it make to them? What difference does it make to them? I mean, the eyes, I mean, I was, I was listening to some bloke on Duncan's programme, and he was sort of saying, oh, it's so we can go back doing our job. I thought the whole idea was, once they've got somebody in the back of the cab, why do you want to get there quickly? The meter's ticking. Once you've got somebody in there and you've got money in the cab, why would you bother going anywhere fast? There's no rush, is there? Take your time. I've sat in the back of cabs before, sit in a traffic jam, and you go, do you think we can go round? Even I know the quick ways round this. And they go, well, you know, you have to ask. Apparently, before you get in the cab, you have to say to them, you know, um, can you go the quick way? Because otherwise they'll just sit there and they don't care. As long as the meter's ticking away, you're not London cab drivers. like, And they're very, very, very dismissive of minicabs, and yet 98% of black cab drivers used to be minicab drivers. That's what they did. You don't think they all sat there at home letting their mummies and daddies pay for them. No, they were minicabbing. So the moment there's other minicab, they don't like it. And yet that's what they were. They were mini. I know no end of black cab drivers were minicab drivers. And also you never get approached around here. You don't get approached around. They might do on, on the back thing, but not round Leicester Square. The police have sussed that one out ages ago after we complained about it. And uh, and the police now sort of stand up. Mainly it's black cabs up there. Mainly black cabs. Although I saw a black... You know, for, for, for all their sort of, you know, look at, look at us, aren't we marvellous because we're used for this, that and the other. They are. But I saw a black cab today stopping at traffic lights. Green traffic lights. And he's picking up a fare at green traffic lights. Totally illegal. Totally illegal. They are not allowed to set down or pick up at traffic lights, whether they're green, blue, pink with yellow spots or anything. You've got to go the other side of it, but they break the law every day. It'll get them going, if nothing else. I'm between that and delivering bread this morning, I'm having a right old death. It's the petrol that annoyed me. The petrol really, really annoyed me. I can't believe anybody... I'm telling you, I'm boycotting everything on the motorway. Everything. Rip off, people. Rip off. 
147. I wouldn't mind. <clears throat> Sorry, I have to have a drink. I'm so excited. I wouldn't mind if they came out and cleaned your windscreen or even offered a crumb of English, but they don't. They just sit there staring. All they've got to do is push a button because it's really tough work. And then they just take the money. And they don't, they don't, some of them actually carry on doing something else while, while they're taking your money. Terribly rude up there at Heston. Only that's on the inbound. I don't know what the outbound one is like. I was going to try that one later on. Not paying for petrol though. One forty-seven. Small wonder in a blooming state in this country. Uh, others, oh, I'm delighted uh, to say that uh, in a poll, women are less confident by men. Women are less confident, believing it holds them back in life. Oh, for goodness' sake! I mean, you'd think actually uh, that'd be good. It's done by a car firm. I mean, you know, to be honest with you, who gives a stuff what a car firm thinks? It's just, and they say, looks played a big part in how women felt about themselves, but hardly registered among men. What a rubbish survey. What a stupid survey. Concerns about career and other decisions took hold at an average age of 26, according to this report, by a car firm. What a pile of poo, honestly. Who cares what a, a car firm think? It's only so they can get their name in the press, not on this programme. Being with friends or drinking alcohol increased confidence levels. No kidding. Imagine. Good Lord, I took a car firm to come up with that. Not even a British car firm. Being with friends or drinking alcohol increased confidence level, while many men said they felt unsure of themselves in the presence of an attractive woman. No, really? Good God, they must have asked the dumbest people in the country for that one. Good God. <coughs> Dear. Dreadful. I love the idea that Prince Harry was out in Soho the other night, spends most of his time boozing up, I'm afraid, and uh, very unwisely, he, uh, he hitched a ride in, uh, in one of these cabs, one of these petty cabs, generally driven by illegals, uh, generally driven by people who don't pay tax, generally driven by people on benefits. They have no insurance whatsoever. Have an accident in it, you might as well go whistle up the wall because you'll be getting no money off them at all. They're illegal, and uh, frankly, the sooner they're off the roads, the happier. It's mainly drunk birds from Essex who get in the back of them, isn't it? And now Prince Harry. What a fool. What a fool. Uh, apparently, Queen have been crowned top of the patriotic pops in a survey of 100,000 music fans. I like this one. We Are The Champions was named number one by fans who were asked what song made them proud to be British. They must have been asked what, what pop song then, wasn't it? Because otherwise you'd be coming up with Jerusalem or something like that. Um... And it was carried out, I'm not going to mention what it is, it's another of these stupid surveys where some dingbat has gone, uh, let's actually go and pay a company £1,000, we'll get ourselves in all the papers. I mean, it's so stupid, it's like the car firm. What a bunch of dingbats. Anyway, this uh, Oasis's Wonderwall apparently makes you proud to be British. They've asked some real dumb people, haven't they? They really have here. And then Let It Be by the Beatles, which got 10,000 votes. Riveting. Elton John's Candle in the Wind and London Calling by The Clash rounded off the top five. God, blimey. So you've got Wannabe by The Spice Girls. That apparently makes you feel proud to be British. Are these people on drugs or something? Wannabe by The Spice Girls. Never Forget by Take That. Park Life by Blur. Who have they asked? Are these the people coming out of the chicken shops late at night? Number seven, Hero. This makes you proud to be British. Heroes. Imagine by John Lennon. How does that make you proud to be British? They've asked all the drunks, haven't they? Quite clearly. London calling, then candle in the wind. Let it be Wonderwall and we are the champions. That makes, apparently, it makes people proud to be British. We are the champions. They've asked some dingbats in the papers today, haven't they? My God. Oh, dear me. Also, I notice... Oh, what, oh yes, and guess who pulled out of a concert the other day? Having told everybody she was so looking forward to it, and then seen necking half a tonne of vodka, Talisa, at a few moments' notice, decided that she really couldn't be bothered to turn up for the fans. Why? 
She owes you nothing. It's your own fault for buying a ticket for her in the first place. Could have told you what she was like. She can't make a decent film for love nor money, and now she can't sing either. I think Talisa cancelling her show is perhaps a blessing in disguise, to be honest. Let's take a quick break, after which we'll talk about the downside of TV talent shows, which Julie Walters thinks abuse vulnerable people. Well, of course they do. That's the point. I've been telling you this for ages. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back. Tuesday saw much-loved actress Julie Walters lash out against TV talent shows like The X Factor and The Voice for manipulating vulnerable people. Well, duh. I kind of think I'm repeating myself. Julie Walters has crawled out the woodwork to say that uh, TV talent shows exploit contestants. Of course they do. That's the whole purpose of it. It's a TV talent show exploiting a contestant to get an audience. Unfortunately, it didn't quite work for, uh, for Jesus Christ Superstar, the biggest pile of rubbish ever to hit the screen, I'm afraid. A waste of space for everybody, not just because Andrew Lloyd Webber's a bit dreary. You know, he's, he's quite sweet, but I mean, for God's sake, I mean, come up with somebody more interesting. Half the people couldn't play Jesus if their life depended on it. They've quite clearly not studied any photographs or looked at any of the previous shows to see what people look like. You know, there's a, you're supposed to... Some of these people look too fat to be playing Jesus. Let's be honest about it. He's supposed to be emaciated. He was a thin, scrawny body. No good putting a, you know, a blonde-haired boy on the programme because he doesn't look like Jesus. Try and have some, some reality to the blooming thing. If anything, he's, he's going to be near a sort of Middle Eastern look, isn't he? Ridiculous, honestly. These, these talent shows. But of course they're there to exploit people. That's the fun of it. You know, bring out your simple, bring out your dead, bring out your terminally stupid. Let's have a good old laugh at them. Let's point fun at them. You know, the fatter they are, the funnier they become to us. Because that's what we do in this country. We point at people and we go, oh, you're fat and you can't sing. They go, ooh, oh, can we have a TV show? And then they give them a TV show and then we point at them again and go, listen, that was that stupid fat family, wasn't it? Where the old family weren't on television. The lardies, I think they were called or something like that. And that they put these two... God knows they were ugly girls up on the television. And, they, and they, they couldn't sing for Toffee. And it just seems... It was just we were laughing at them. We weren't laughing with them. We were pointing fun at them and going, thank God we don't live next to you, fatty. That was the only, that was the only decent thing about the programme, is that you know for the first few weeks they're going to put on all the stupid people. Much they seemed to be out in force on the motorway the other day, didn't they? Quite clearly, not the most intelligent. There's pictures in all the papers of people in the bus lanes. In the Olympic lane. In fact, there's, there's one quite clearly identifiable here, with, it, with his car number, actually. And, um, and it's, it's PJB6, which actually strikes me as being quite a flash number plate. I think that's actually quite good. You thought somebody who's got a nice flash number plate, which probably cost as much as the car, would not be in the, uh, the Olympic lane. It's quite clearly marked Olympic lane. Unless you're particularly stupid. And then, of course, you get a coach that should be in the lane and isn't. And so that's now holding up our lane. Which is ridiculous. I mean, people were, were terribly confused by the whole thing. But there again, that's the stupidity of people who probably haven't taken a driving test. How oh, you could be confused by it, I've got no idea. It's quite clearly marked out. This is our lane, that's your lane. Oh no, now your lane is our lane. Everybody got, conf- got, very, uh, got very confused. The Australian Olympic sailing team lost their equipment and were forced to wait for more than an hour at Heathrow as tens of thousands of people arrived in London for the Games. Then we lost people. I don't saying like it. All sorts of people from sport, TV and film will join the 1,000 London torchbearers. And uh, they've got everybody here. Um, 
I think Stephen Lawrence is about the Doreen. Uh, Rupert Grint, David Walliams. He gets in everything, doesn't he, David Walliams? Might, just, might as well just have a sign-up saying, everybody this way and David Walliams. And uh, what else? We've got Catherine Jenkins. She's actually... She, she pitched up at some music festival the other day and also went out to Verve Clicquot's Gold Cup final. Looking very Marilyn Monroe. She's ever so tiny when you see her. I mean, she really is absolutely unbelievably small. Unbelievably small. And then there's all the... The things which always, always infuriate everybody, don't they? The BBC stars who are avoiding tax. They're not avoiding it. They're just... They're using a legal loophole. They've set up companies. It's quite normal. Quite normal, let me tell you. Quite normal. And they set up a company and they put their money into the company. And then you pay tax on that, so they get paid dividends. They pay themselves a salary. I'm always amazed that, that somebody like Gary Lineker actually garners more than a million quid a year for doing what? I don't even think he's that good. Graham Norton, all right, chat show host, they, they probably earn that money. And then, um, for some strange reason, the uh, the bloke who does Top Gear, Jeremy Clarkson, earns apparently more than three and a half million quid. That old has-been, that, that Neanderthal from the television, I watched him yesterday. Apart from the fact he's a bit out of date with everything, he just looks like he's passed his sell-by now, poor soul. But apparently he earns a lot of money. Weakest link front woman, Anne Robinson, they reckon... Between um, five hundred to seven hundred and fifty thousand pound a year, quite normal, quite normal in this in this day and age, quite normal. I don't know why people think it's you know when you when you look at sort of radio presenters, you look at what some people you know you look at what Terry Wogan would have earned. They earn quite a, a small fortune. These people. So the next, when you say here eight hundred and twenty three thousand, I reckon that's actually Jeremy Paxman. I reckon he was on a million, and they've cut him back. They've said, listen, either you want the gig or we'll find somebody else to do it. Get Martha Carney, and she can do it much cheaper, and she'll probably be better. So most people have agreed that they will take the salary cut, so they've saved some money. Not a huge amount. Mark, Mark Thomas, the uh, outgoing director general, I think he was earning 779000 a year, and they've managed to cut that down to 622000 What they do is, at the BBC, they don't publish what they pay... They're under no obligation to tell you how much they pay people. You know, you're under no obligation to tell people how much you earn. I mean, Graham Norton, it is said, would earn prof- roughly about uh, two million. Gary Lineker, about two million a year. But he's so creepy, isn't he? There's something about Gary Lineker. <laughs> and, um... Who else? I think Alan Hansen was earning one and a half million, but he's had his pay cut by about a third. And all they've done is just said to people, listen, if you want... I mean, I know somebody... Who, uh, who was doing a show, and they said, listen, we want an extra show next year, another series, but uh, we're not going to pay any extra money for that. And it's either a case of you do it or you don't do it. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. They can always find somebody else. And so because the money is so good, people will do it. So it comes as no surprise to me. But when they, when they have a headline on the front of the Daily Mail, 148 BBC stars avoiding tax, they're not avoiding tax. They're paid off the books, which means that their money is paid into a company. And this is, this is a totally legal loophole. I said the other day, when we, we discovered after Alan Carr, not Alan Carr, um, what's it, who was, who was putting his money into an offshore account, £3.3 million, I thought that was fine. I didn't have any problem with him at all. Absolutely no problem whatsoever. Especially as we, we discovered Adele made £35 million in a year. That's Adele, 35 million quid. So I don't begrudge these people any money at all. If they can get away with paying less tax then fine, as long as the tax man approves it. That's all you have to worry about. If the tax man comes back and goes, no, we're not going to approve that. But uh, I've already had my little bill in from the tax man. I don't want to pay it. Of course I don't. Who wants to pay tax? 
But I have to. If you've earned the money, you've got to pay it. It's as simple as that. So if, if they can manage to find some way round it with companies... I know loads of people in this business, in radio, who've set up companies and they pay themselves dividends. It's, it's just... It's quite normal. I don't know why people get so excited about it. I see they've sold Television Centre. 200 million quid. It opened in 1960. It was very iconic. Roy Castle used to host his uh, shows there. I remember them having a whole line of tap dancing people, which I loved. I thought that was great. Blue Peter, Strictly Come Dancing, the National Lottery. But uh, they use it as a facility now. It's a huge place. And it's been sold to a property developer. £200 million. 14 acres bought by Stanhope PLC. I have no idea who Stanhope PLC are, but they've got an absolute bargain for 200 million. 14 prime acres in West London, over the road from a, from a, a train station, over the road from the Westway. It'll be houses. They'll knock the whole lot down, except for the middle bit. They'll, they'll keep the iconic middle bit and it will all be flats, because I think that's, uh, that's listed. I think the middle bit is listed. And so that would be fantastic. I mean, you could have loads of flats in there. You know, if you want to live in a place like that, it's up to you. I've seen, I've seen what they've done to other places where they've just taken an office block and then divided it up and they look rubbish. They do look rubbish, but they make a load of money. And if you can live there, where you'll park, I don't know. There is a car park that's included in the sale. They've got their own, their own car park. But whether or not, if they're going to put loads of flats up, and presumably they'll have security there. And they, so, I mean, it should be fairly good. The trouble is you're in Shepherd's Bush. And you know what a dump that is. I mean, Shepherd's Bush, God. Bloody. I mean, the green, I've never seen anybody working on it yet. I've never seen anybody working on it. I've, I felt quite disappointed. I drove through it the other day, and it just looks like... I mean, at the end of it, all they're going to do, presumably, is turf it and stick in a kid's playground. It's like I walked through Leicester Square the other day. I was so depressed that we'd spent £18 million on putting up some, some wonky fencing, some places where people throw all their rubbish, and in the middle, the fountain, which wasn't working... Uh, all dirty and debris in there. All the plants were dead round the outside. And I thought, and that's after 18 million quid's worth. Such a shame compared to other London squares, which are quite iconic. Our one's looking very sad, very sad and tired. And every time they have a premiere, they cover the grass over. Every time they cover the grass over, they kill it. Every time they kill it, they dig it up. And for the next week, we sit there looking at Earth. And then they stupidly, because they must be complete idiots... The amount of rain we've had, and they're still putting the sprinklers on to water the grass. Have you ever heard of such stupid people? You feel like saying to them, excuse me, mate, can I see your intelligence listing? So they've put the sprinklers on. The grass is now sodden. It is now a quagmire in parts of it. It looks horrible. It really does. I mean, you know, the producer was saying outside her building yesterday morning, full pouring rain, mowing the lawn. Duh. Duh. How stupid are these people? I mean, it was yesterday it bucketed down. It bucketed down. We've had enough rain to last for God knows how many years. I like it, don't get me wrong, because I've got a huge umbrella. And everybody else going around their little piddly umbrellas, I just laugh at them. And mine is, no, not even the twinkling light ones. I've got a huge, I've got, in fact, I carry about six umbrellas in the car. I don't know why. I'm a, I'm a bit like... I'm a bit like Mr Partridge, who can't remember things. He can't remember who was driving his car... You remember poor old Alan Park. And the reason, it's a pool car. So, in other words, if you've got a pool car, there are 20 listed drivers on there. He can't remember. Didn't we have the Hamiltons ages and ages ago? They were coming back from a gig, uh, Christine and her uh, her husband, and uh, they were out there, and, and they got stopped by the police, or they got caught by a camera or something like that. And, you know, they couldn't remember between the two of them who was driving the car. It's amazing how your memory goes. I mean, I'm the same. I can't remember sometimes. Was that me driving the car? Or the hamster. 
I've got no idea. You know, and I felt so sorry for the Hamiltons. I wanted to write to them and say, listen, that, that short-term memory stuff, it's got to stop. It's appalling now. Can't even remember who was driving the car. Well, it was either him or her. Nope, they couldn't remember a thing. I felt so sorry for them. That's old age for you, though. Bless them. They can't help it. Everybody gets a bit forgetful in old age. Coming up in half an hour, I'm in conversation with Chef Phil Vickery and figure skater Robin Cousins. But first, the latest headlines at 5.30. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back. Coming up in half an hour, I'm joined by Phil Vickery, who tells me his cooking secrets, and Robin Cousins, who's giving it the old razzle-dazzle at the moment, performing in Chicago, just over the road from us here. But first, we carry on with my best bits from the week. And Madonna got a bad rap for her concerts. I'm not at all surprised one little bit. Every appearance Madonna makes is, is an appearance, isn't it? I mean, you know, it's, it's a performance. So if she turns up at the airport, it's a performance. If she goes shopping, it's a performance. If she drags her latest boyfriend out, it's a performance. She is Little Miss Show-Off. She's out there because she's in the business of show, and that's what she does. Where they go, oh, she hasn't done, you know, a, a, a performance for a year. I thought every day she does a performance. Every day she walks outside the house, she's doing a performance. You know, it's like, oh, I don't want my picture taken. Take it now, take it now. I don't, 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 don't. Oh, look, there's a lovely picture. Look, Lord Ayers, look, we've got loads of pictures today. You can imagine, the, you know, if you spend your entire life in front of the cameras, as in, she, uh, as in, 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 in the appearance that she gives to people, then it's an addiction. You know, I'm addicted to socks, and she's addicted to having a picture taken. She loves it. That's what these people thrive on. They're in the business of publicity. If you like the carry-on films, I found something of, of great interest for you this morning. I've just had it delivered. I ordered it a short while ago, and it's something that's lain unseen... For 50 years. Details coming up a little bit later on this morning. Plus, anybody notice that the taxi drivers went on strike yesterday? No, me neither. I didn't notice anything like that. Do you know, I drove into town yesterday. I said I was going to drive in, and I said I was going to use the Olympic lane. Woo, woo, woo. I got through really quick. You know why? Because coming in on the Westway, there's only about three of us using it. There's all other cars. We're trying to get out of it. And actually, on the Euston Road, there was a car in front of me. And he's indicating furiously to get off the Olympic lane. And I felt like, I mean, I was, I was sort of, admittedly, you know, I was not helping matters. But I go, beep, 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 get out of the blooming way, you idiot. And, of course, you can use all the Olympic lanes. Every one of them, except the one coming in on the M4 and the one that's out at Egham because they've got some, something going, I don't know, Midget racing or something, I don't know, they've got something going on out there. So uh, it's good fun to use, because I tell you, whiz through London ever so quickly. Although my driver this morning was getting a little bit perturbed at which lanes he's allowed to use and which lanes he can't use. And when he's in this lane, why does it then vanish? And this lane becomes that lane. And that lane, which is the, which is the, uh, the Olympic lane, then comes into my lane, and then my lane disappears. And now there's only the Olympic lane and a bus lane. Where does he go there? I said, you pick up the car and you walk with it. So much easier if you're a black cab driver. You just go wherever you want to go. Stop at traffic lights. Break every rule under the sun. Because who cares? Who cares, ladies and gentlemen? Anyway, in the paper today... Oh, I'm delighted to report that the bloke from Rogue Traders has been jailed for three months. This is the bloke who drove the motorcycle for Matt Allwright. You know, they were buddy buddies... And they made the little... In fact, they made little vignettes every time they appeared on Rogue Traders. They made little vignettes. Little do we realise that the bloke driving the motorcycle was a bent benefits crook. Yes, he was robbing us blind, ladies and gentlemen. Not just for 100 quid or 200 quid, about £24,000. So, quite rightly, the judge has sent him to prison. And the BBC have said they'll never use him again. Which is good news. 
which is good news. There's also a huge story in all the papers again today. Uh, in fact, there are two. One about the uh, HSBC, which they say has allowed rogue states and drug cartels to launder billions of pounds through their branches. And the other one is some, some girl, I use the term loosely, who worked for Barclays. She's in all the papers. She's, uh, she's another one of these thieves who works on the counters. Only this time she thieved, I forget how many thousands of pounds it was, and it was all to turn herself into a glamour model. To be honest with you, having looked at the pictures, if this girl had had a head transplant, she wouldn't have made it as a glamour model. She just isn't attractive. So she spent the money she thieved on uh, hair extensions, uh, boob transplant, uh, teeth, uh, hair, you know, everything. She had everything done, and still she looks like the last turkey in the shop, I'm afraid. It was a complete and utter waste of time and money, but she robbed it, and there's a very good chance she'll probably go, go to prison. So she's in all the papers today. I can't remember her name, but uh, she's one of these sort of stupid people who's quite clearly not, you know, not of, you know, not of sort of the same intelligence as the rest of us. And she decided that if money's coming into a bank, she was going to have it. So she thieved it. And, um, and there's a picture of her in the paper today. Rachel Martin. She's a rather stupid, pathetic person. Sad and lonely. 24 years old. Single mother. Da-da! There you go again. Splashed out on shopping sprees in Bristol. She usually siphoned about a 1,000 or 2,000. On one occasion, she took six. So in the end, she stole £46,000 to buy a boob job. I'd have had brains inserted into your head, love. It would have been easier. Because, frankly, you look as thick as a brick. And I hope, for goodness, for your sake, they send you to prison. And now they're trying to work out how to get the money back. They say if she spent it, well, you go in, then you take everything back. You have her taken into hospital, have the boob things taken out. You rip her hair transplants out. You take all her clothes, because she's quite clearly bought them through ill-gotten gains. You know, I'm not having any truck with these people. You thieve from a bank. You know, if I was with Barclays, I'd be really fed up. But I'm not with Barclays, so I really couldn't care less. I'm just telling you that if somebody thieves, you make them suffer. And they have to pay. They have to pay for their crimes. Andrea Dreary, you know, the weather girl, McLean, whose, you know, marriage split up, then she broke down on television, then she collapsed. And she's now apparently filming some... I mean, just, why don't you shut up about your boring life, love? Why don't you just shut up? Nobody cares. I hit the bottle for gay sex scene. She had to start drinking to get her through a pretend lesbian scene. I mean, you know, you, you, you could only marvel at the intelligence of the... And it's going to rain here today, and over this side it's going to be cloudy. That's the intelligence of weather girls, ladies and gentlemen. That's about as far as she could go. That's about as far as she could go, I'm afraid. And so for doing this, this gay sex scene, she had to turn to drink. It's called acting, love. It's what you do every day. Remember when you, when you sort of collapse and you do... It's acting. It's like that. It's that, that kind of thing, only without being filmed. Do you know, I haven't seen Lucy. I didn't even know it was still on. I didn't even know it was still on. If it's still got Denise Welsh on it, I don't want to watch it. Because, frankly, who wants to watch an ex-drunk, you know, leering about on the television? I mean, it was so, I was so glad when they got rid of Colleen Nolan. I mean, that was, that was absolutely brilliant. Apparently, before she kissed this actress, Andrew McLean, 42 at least, apparently had to down half a bottle of whiskey. Really? How do you manage on the... Are you drinking every day on the television, then, or something? I mean, how does that work? You had to down... She says, I, I had to kiss a few guys in the film, which was odd, as I've only ever had two boyfriends, and I married both of them. Didn't you just, dear? And apparently she's had offers from other men since she's been single. Good grief, no kidding. I'm a, the dreary rubbish that they tell you about their boring lives. And apparently she's... Uh, lots of men have asked her out, including a high-profile married man. She tells you... She doesn't tell you who it is. 
She won't tell you who it is. It's a high-profile married man who's asked her out. And she said, he wasn't happy at all when I gave him the brush-off via email, which made me feel very uncomfortable. Oh, so he's got your email, love, has he? Do you know, they're, they're, they're kind of, they're so dumb, these people, aren't they? They say, so-and-so phoned me and think, well, they've got your phone number. How do they get hold of this? Oh, dear me. Dear me, dear me, dear me. Anyway, here is uh, uh, Pentiardo. This is Dan Pentiardo. That's the, the bent one who thieved from us, ladies and gentlemen. The, uh, the rogue trader. Uh, his, uh, his wife was there. He was jailed for 12 weeks. Um, it's not a victimless crime. It was planned over four years. I mean, quite clear. I mean, he must have realised. I've never nicked in my life. I know it makes me sound a little bit sanctimonious and a bit Mother Teresa, but I've, I've always been... T- I've never even used, since we've been in this building, and it's been a few years now, I've never even used the company phone. Never, ever used the company phone for making a private phone call. Never once used the post for sending something private, unless I put stamps on it. I'm just so goody-goody. I'm just such an honest person. You know, there's very few of us left. I'm one of them. I just realised, actually, the camera's turned round the wrong way. How strange. I shall come and turn that back round to face me. I don't want to have something... Why is that facing the wrong way? I shall sort that out in a minute. Very, very odd. So here he is. He's in court, co-presenter with Matthew Allwright on a selection of watchdog shows. Looks stunned and tearful as they led him to the cells. Well, you shouldn't have blown thieved, should you? I've got no sympathy whatsoever, I'm afraid. He'd claimed benefits over four years. He'd earned £56,000 from the show and then decided to thieve more. He knew exactly what he was doing, and uh, and there he was. In fact, every time I see him now, luckily you won't be seeing him on screen ever again, and they'll try and be erasing him. Because quite clear, there aren't any checks on these people. Presumably, if I mean, I'm assuming he's like a lot of the BBC people. He's paid, you know, on a freelance basis. Do you think? Mm, yum 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 yum. Hot lemon this morning. Oh, so bored with hot lemon. I really am, but uh, it's good for you. Ever since I read, a very famous actress the other day said that every morning she had lime, lime juice in hot water. And I thought, well, I've tried that. That's a bit dull, I'm afraid. But but better to have the, the lemon. And apparently really good for you. Although I've not noticed any benefits whatsoever. The dying mother of one of the Moore's murder victims is in the paper today. This is Winnie Johnson. She's got bowel cancer. She's not going to live for very much longer. And she's written a final letter to... Uh, to Ian Brady to say, where's my son buried? He hasn't got the faintest idea. They didn't know any- where anybody was buried on the moor because, unfortunately, it was so long ago, 1964, you remember, uh, as most of us did in that time. I remember the uh, the awful tapes that were played in court of the uh, of one of the children who was being murdered, saying, don't, don't hurt me, don't hurt me. It was the most tragic thing you've ever heard, and they haven't got the faintest idea. I'm so glad Myra Hindley's dead. She, of course, is rotting in hell, and the sooner Ian Brady disappears to hell, the better for everybody. Unfortunately, it doesn't give Winnie any answers at all. She's been up to the moors, the police have been up there, they've, they've tried everything. They've done the heat-seeking cameras, they, they've tried, you know, the thermal imagery, nothing at all. For the simple reason, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of acres, and he hasn't got the faintest idea. So they've taken him up there. She's been uh, in and out of hospital. And in the, this uh, documentary, it's going to be shown, I think, on More 4 at 10pm on Monday. It's called Dear Mr Brady. And she's not going to get the answers. She's not going to get any answers she wants, which is a shame because she's had to live with it for her entire life. And she's got to 79 and he's still living. And you so wish that somebody had killed him in prison years ago. But uh, they're hoping that they can reopen the search on the moors. It's not going to happen. They're not going to find anything now. It's just awful. But they have found the Mona Lisa. Isn't that lovely? In a convent in Italy, they decided to dig up the floor and they found a few wizened up. She doesn't look as good as she did when the picture was taken, it has to be said. She's, uh, they found these bones under the floor and they're saying 
that this is Mona Lisa. So what they're going to do is they're going to recreate it, which they can do now. You know, sometimes you see pictures of people in the papers where they go, do you know this person? That's generally been recreated from a dead body. They sort of have artists who can do it. And in the case of the Mona Lisa, they can put it all back, back together again and they can show you what she looked like, which should be absolutely staggering. I'm quite excited about that. We here at the Steve Allen Show love a bit of art and culture. Quick break from O, after which we get some good news for O2 customers. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back. Last week, O2 customers suffered huge disruption to the network, with many not being able to send or receive texts or make calls. Well, this week saw some good news for those of us on the network. Are you pleased that O2 are giving you some money back? Are you pleased LBC are giving you, uh, LBC are giving you money back? O2 are giving you money. 10%, I think, is brilliant. I wasn't expecting anything at all, so it's like a bonus as far as I'm concerned. Really thrilled. The other thing I'm thrilled about is that the cameras are back on me. I was a little bit worried yesterday. I did go down. I had a word with Harry and, uh, and the boys on the front desk. Because yesterday, the camera that's normally on me and comes on with a red light uh, was facing the door. And I, I said to Harry, I said, I don't really see this is serving any useful purpose. I said, because I like the camera to be on me. Because when it's on, it means that down in reception, we've got a huge video wall. I mean, an enormous video wall. And when I'm on it, they leave the camera on me for quite a while. They do. Because I'm animated. Everybody else is sitting there, not aware that the camera's on. I'm very aware that the camera is on. And, and, I, and at the moment, it's been on for ten minutes, and I'm very excited by it. And they've managed to turn it round my way. I said to Nick Ferrari, I said, you've not turned the camera off, you? He said, no. I was just checking yesterday, because uh, I, d- I didn't mention it to James O'Brien. He'd, he'd, have, he'd have taken tablets or something after. If he, if he discovered the camera wasn't on him. You know, whereas me, I just I, tr- I tried to change it yesterday morning. I couldn't do it. Didn't do it. None of the real housewives compared to the New Jersey lot. Brilliant, mindless television. Great show. Thank you very much indeed. Yes, I mean, I haven't seen the New Jersey housewives. I've only seen the housewives of Orange County, who are just... All, all their sons are in rehab. They're either in rehab because they've done drugs or they drink or they get tattoos done and the women are all a bit low rent. They're all the bleach blondes. Whereas by the time you get to New York City, blonde is so unfashionable, I'm afraid. And uh, her name's Romana Poppy Eyes. That's, oh right, that's that's Romana. I, I didn't know any of their names. I just know she's got these bug eyes which when she gets excited, they sort of pop out of her head like a frog. She's very evil. Bethany is a is not. A, she's got a, a show called Bethany Gets Married. Evil old bags. They're poor husbands. The housewives in Miami are so thick. I shout at the television, but I have to watch them. Says Annie in Kent. <laughs> Rachel says one has to be a little careful because some people are poppy eyed as a result of a thyroid problem. Says Rachel. I couldn't care less. Love. Not remotely interested. I mean, I'm talking about American television. Okay, got absolutely nothing to do with people with a thyroid problem over here. It's got to do with American television. Okay, wash your ears out, listen properly. Okay, only tell you once. I don't have to tell you twice. You know, you sound like an adult. You can manage to spell everything properly, unlike some people this morning. I love the way that some people can't spell. It just it, because you think to yourself, are they twelve-year-olds or are they sort of adults pretending to be twelve-year-olds? Because when you see people that can't spell simple words nowadays, I worry because everywhere's got spell check. Everywhere has got spell check. You know, no matter where you, I've got spell check because I was twittering like mad yesterday. I've got no end of people following me. 
I've got no end of people. I mean, I've got more celebrities following me. James O'Brien apparently gets somebody like Louis Theroux. <gasps> so passe. You know, I've got, like, David Copperfield. You know, I've got serious people following me. Serious people following me. I can't even mention some of the names on there because they're so celebrity-based. You know, Louis Theroux kind of way down my list, much as I love him. Uh, apparently, uh, there's one here that says uh, Ramona is the crazy-eyed one. That's, oh, right, Ramona. Jill is the one sitting next to Bethany, who is the one sitting next to the Countess. I've never heard so much filth, Steve. Even Andy, the presenter, couldn't shut them up. They were just, they were all shouting over each other. It was, it was, the, it was, it was a little bit, Steve's probably right, it was a little bit like watching the MPs at House of Commons Question Time. I used to do a round table for, uh, for about two or three years with MPs. And you couldn't shut them up. It was it was really difficult. You'd have to say to listen one at a time on the television. I found it difficult to follow, but uh, but the bug-eyed one. Ooh, she was nasty. She was she didn't she just didn't like the people that were there. I mean, I would have walked off. I wouldn't have walked off the set. I'd have just said, listen, bug-eye. You know, nobody's interested in what you say. You're nasty. Yes, I mean they were so they were arguing over who did the most most money for charity. That's what they were arguing over, you know, you don't know anything about charity, you didn't contribute, you didn't buy any tickets. And I'm thinking, it's for charity. Who gives a stuff what you vacuous old bags do? It's either that or advertising phone boxes. It was just awful. It was just terrible. But funny at the same time, and very compulsive. I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy the DVD. You know, some shows you watch on the telly and you think to yourself, I might buy that on DVD. The only ones I've ever bought, Extreme Fishing. That's the only one I've ever bought extreme fishing because this is the guys who go off into the Bering Straits and they fish for crab or they fish for tuna or they fish for lobster. They fish for whatever it is. They're out there. How they survive, I've got no idea. And, and that, that I thought was amazing. And then yesterday I got a bit carried away with sort of going through YouTube and I managed to find... How? I've got no idea. I typed in, I think, lion attack. I think I typed in lion attack... And up, because I, I don't know, I just wanted to watch Lion Attack, I suppose, out in the bush, as it were, the bush. That could be anywhere, Shepherd's Bush, anywhere, it doesn't matter really. You know, Aldermaston or something like that. And, and it had pictures of lions who were creeping up on prey. And one of them was a cheetah, two cheetahs in the grass. And you know, cheetahs can outrun lions dead easy. 70 miles an hour is nothing, nothing for a cheetah whatsoever. But this cheetah wasn't quite quick enough. And he rises up from the grass, and the lion... This big, fully grown male, and they, they, they carry some weight, sees it and runs. And the cheetah can't pick up speed quick enough. And it must have been, oh, my God, he... Ah! And the lion brings it down. And, of course, as with all these animals, they, uh, they suffocate. So you'll always find lions who grab the throat, and they just, they just sit there and wait until the animal breathes it last, and then they sort of leave it for a while, and then they come back to it. And anyway, so another one of the videos that came... Some bloke, who in a zoo in Dresden, I think, had fallen into a bear's cage, a bear's enclosure, a brown bear. Now, I don't know if you're aware, you should be if you've listened to this programme, that brown bears are among the most dangerous animals in the world. Not only can they outrun you, but they can climb trees. They climb trees and standing up, some of them reach the height of about seven or eight feet. Not as tall as polar bears, which are equally dangerous, but they are really, really, really dangerous. So this bloke falls in. This bear can't believe his luck. 
It's like lunch has arrived in front of him. So he attacks it. And at one point, he bites the bloke's hand off. And this bloke... I mean, nobody, people are throwing things like oranges at the bear to try and obviously get the bear... Nobody from the zoo... I mean, literally, this attack goes on for quite a few minutes, far more so than you would ever imagine. You know, you would think that somebody near the enclosure... If there is a danger that somebody could get in or fall in, we've seen it before where people have walked into lion enclosures and sat down thinking it's a bit like the Bible. You know, you could sit down with the lions and they just sit there and lick your hand. No, 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 no. They want to kill you. They want to kill you because that's what they do. They're animals. And this brown bear, literally, it's ripping this man to pieces. And luckily there's no sound on it because I should imagine all you'd hear is screams. Eventually some people come in and get him out. But up until then, it was just nobody was doing anything. Nobody was doing anything at all. Uh, the real housewife says, Tony of South London, a trashy but good entertainment. Oh, they're so trash. They've got no class whatsoever, regardless of how annoying they are. Several have become millionaires through the success of the show. You see, this is the trouble. I never understand the British mentality. It's like they're real trash. They're real trash. But because they're millionaires, that's okay. People are so jealous of what other people have got because they're millionaires. It's like you see that big fat heifer from The Only Ways Essex, Gemma. Gemma Collins, the one who's going out with the, with, with, with the fat bloke with no talent, you know, Arge, who's very funny because he's got no talent. And she's going, I can laugh at everybody because I'm going to be a, a millionaireess. And I think, it didn't alter the fact that you're still foul-mouthed. So you're a millionaireess. Who cares? The only person who cares about it is you. Nobody else worries about that. I don't worry what other people earn. I don't care what other people have got. Couldn't care less. I mean, at the moment, I don't have a hot tap, so that's the kind of thing I'm worrying about. You know, people who've got multi... I couldn't care less. doesn't bother me in the slightest. So trashy but good entertainment. It's not even good entertainment. You just feel sorry for them. I pitied them. Because they sat there, each one trying to think that they were sort of cultured. One of them even went so far as to have some uh, barking mad psychic who said, I'm going to guide you through your life and I'm going to be your life coach. I'm thinking, you're so sad. That's what... It was like I was, I was flipping through and there she was again, well-known fraud, Yvette Fielding, doing Most Haunted. Oh, what was that? It was the cameraman touching you, dear. OK? There is no such thing. Stop telling lies to people. But, you know, you have to watch it because Yvette Fielding is just such a bad actress. In fact, she wasn't much better presenting, but now she goes around looking like some hooded vampire bat, and she turns up in these places and, and talks to other balmy people about, mm, the vibrations in here. Mm. What happened there? What happened? Somebody, some, somebody turned a light off. Yes, it was the cameraman. He flicked a switch. It's such an awful programme, and she's such an old fraud that you have to watch Yvette Fielding just to realise what the word fraudulent television actually means, because some people buy into it. Some people actually buy into the fact that there are ghosts. Ridiculous. Uh, Mrs Brown's boy's brilliant, says Warren. What do you think? Do you know, I've not really seen it. I can't comment on that because I think I only ever saw one episode. It, I, when I first saw it, I thought it's a bloke dressed up as a woman, isn't it? I've, I, I tweaked to that bit. But then again, you see Barry Humphreys in his first films, The Adventures of Barry McKenzie, he pitched up. But there was no mention that it was a man dressed as a woman. Then, of course, Dame Edna Everidge evolved over the years, which I thought was actually uh, very, very good. And, oh, look, I've got an, another person. Who else is on my uh, my Twitter page? Teller from Penn and Teller. Thank you very much indeed. We go back many, many years. Uh, I've got lots of people. Lots of, I can't even... I don't even want to do it because it's embarrassing for people. There's no point. But I've got all sorts of... Even Anthony Davis... Well, of course, I mean, that, that goes without saying, actually. Anthony Davis would be there all the time for me, because he's a star. It's brilliant, says Warren. It's brilliant. You're up early this morning. We've obviously got an early flight to go somewhere. Somewhere hot. I bet you've got a hot tap. I don't know. I'm going to sort my hot tap out later. I think I might glue it in, actually. Won't be long, Steve, before we have Housewives from London. 
<laughs> Bethany who quit after bringing out diet meals is the biggest joke. If it, if it wasn't your job, you would watch it. It told me I needed to find a job, says uh, Sharon. Yes, I mean, it is... It is... It's, it's cheap television. You just put a camera in with a, with, in with a load of vile people and they then argue... And that's what makes television nowadays. Unfortunately, by the time you get to The Only Way is Essex, it's so contrived, it isn't, it isn't as good. You know, the, the, there isn't as much going on in The Only Way is Essex because you've just got a lot of tarty old women who apparently sleep their way around and then tell you they're, they're, they're business women, which is interesting. I have a hot tap, 101 degrees centigrade water on tap. <laughs> no bike. Is this in the kitchen? I might have to start filling up a bucket soon if it gets any worse. Because <laughs> when my boiler broke about five years ago, over the, over the winter months, I didn't have uh, a boiler. So I bought two fan heaters. Ha! Don't ever buy a fan heater. Don't ever buy a fan heater. Because it, I think I got a, an electricity bill in to, uh, uh, I think, for about £700. Fan heaters drink electricity. But I was filling up buckets to have a shower. And you know, it was actually quite nice. I felt as I was achieving something in life, which is great. So Housewives from London, I, I, would, definitely, uh, I would definitely watch that. But you know who they'd end up with? They'd end up with the silly little show-offs that you get in all the television programmes, all the people with tattoos or people... You turn on and you think, listen, you've been on a couple of programmes. I mean, I want to know where Coach Trip has gone. Does somebody know where Coach Trip has vanished to? I used to enjoy Coach Trip with Brendan. But then it started plumbing some debts and they started putting silly people on there, which wasn't, uh, wasn't very exciting. If you've got fatty blood, it's an early sign of Alzheimer's. What the dickens is fatty blood? Fatty blood. Yes, mmm, yum, yum, yum. You can use that. I can't, but it's like whenever I used to go abroad and see blood sausage, in Vienna they do blood Oh, God, it was so disgusting. I can't imagine why anybody ever eat black pudding either for breakfast. Oh, sick people, sick people. Sick people who live in Transylvania, ladies and gentlemen, who want to eat blood products. Not me, thank you very much indeed. Oh, no, I can't bear it. So, Warren's on sick leave for two weeks. Oh, that old one. That old, I've sprained my back. Actually, no, I, I, I sympathise. I've had bad back before, and it's absolutely one of the worst pains ever. It's not as bad as sitting in the shower, panicking, ten minutes to go to the cab, wondering why you can't turn the hot tap off. Now, that is what I call going into major paddy time. You know, I really it just pushed my boundaries this morning. So when I get back later on, I shall, I shall sort it out, because I'm, uh, I'm one of these DIY fiends. You know, if I, if, I, if I can't do it, I'll botch it. I'll do it either way. It, it'll keep me happy. Well, the tap's all fixed now, thank goodness. What a nightmare to deal with at two o'clock in the morning. Coming up next, you'll hear from celebrity chef Phil Vickery and former Olympic skater Robin Cousins. But first, the latest news at six.